morning, church family. Good to see you out on this first Sunday of March uh, 2023. We're excited to see you in worship. What a great crowd. What an awesome time of worship this morning. And the band do a fantastic job leading us. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. What an awesome time of worship. Church, don't take that for granted. Uh, there are churches everywhere that would do anything to have a just dynamic worship and praise. And uh, what an awesome... We are, so blessed and uh, so privileged and I'm thankful for all that God is doing. And I want to say I feel so incredibly blessed to pastor some of the most incredible people on the planet. You guys are so faithful. As we were singing that great is thy faithfulness this morning, I was thinking about the faithfulness of God and what he has done over the years and uh, through the life of his church. And uh, then we talk about he won't fail us. Uh, the, the passage in Hebrews comes to, came to mind as I was, we were singing those words that he's never going to forsake us. He's never going to fail us. He's, never, he's not going to leave us. Church, when everybody else is abandoning their faith, they're walking away from God, they're, they're turning their back on their, on their families, God will not fail. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? Can I get an amen? amen. All right, it's okay to wake up. Uh, some of you might need to go back through there and get another coffee uh, this morning. But let's pep up and wake up. Uh, it's, a, it's a great day in the house of the Lord. And I, I feel so blessed because we, so many of you get why we exist as a church, why we are here. And our mission as a church it's so vital if we are going to ever make an impact, if we're going to go beyond the walls of this building, if we're going to go and impact our city, our world for Jesus Christ, we must understand our mission. We must choose to live on mission. And together, we thrive as followers of Jesus Christ. Our mission statement, together we lead and create followers or disciples of Jesus Church, that is so important that we don't lose sight of that in all of the distractions. And it's easy to turn on the news. It's easy to look around us and get our eyes focused on the traffic. And folks, if you're not careful, uh, we'll get in the flesh real quick, all right? Just crossing the intersection out here, uh, it'll get you in a bad mood. And uh, we were talking the other day, I was driving and I, I needed to get to Chick-fil-A at like 5.30 on a, uh, a weeknight, you know. And uh, with my wife and I live two miles from the church. So I'm sitting here going, what's the best route to get to Chick-fil-A? I mean, traffic's going to be backed up for like at least a mile uh, down 1010. So I'm trying to figure it out. And so I, I come up Lake Wheeler Road uh, and then I hang a ride on to 1010 and Traffic's backed up, and so I'm like, I'm cutting through the new neighborhood. Anybody else do that? Watch out for nails. They're building construction over there. We've had a couple of those in our family in the last few weeks. But anyway, I cut through that neighborhood, and I came up Chalice Lane, and I'm sitting at that stoplight. And I look over. I'm not sure if she's in here right this second. And uh, right beside me, someone honks the horn, and it's Lisa Matthews. And she has the same exact idea. And she's coming up to that same light. And I, I text her later. It's like, us locals have to know the back roads to get around this, this traffic in this area. Got across to Chick-fil-A and then got back home uh, to my house within a relatively decent hour. But folks, if we're going to make an impact in an ever-changing world, we must understand the mission that God has us on. We must understand that he loves us. He's for us. He's not going to fail us. He's faithful. And, and folks, our mission helps define why we exist. It's not changed. In fact, next Sunday, our church celebrates 37 years of leading and creating disciples 
of Jesus. I hope you will make plans to join us for worship. It's going to be an exciting day, a time of celebration, a time of anticipating what God is wanting to do in the next 37 years of, in the life of the church. And, and folks, and it, let me encourage you, as Crystal said earlier, register and stay for lunch. It's, it's free, all right? Uh, my dad always said growing up, there's very few things in this life that are free. But uh, next Sunday, if you stay for lunch, it's free. You're invited. If you uh, have a pulse, you're invited. Uh, and in fact, bring your friends with you. But we want you to join us and uh, join and celebrate around the table, getting to know other people, building relationships, building community, and seeing how God is going to work in our lives. I'm thankful that uh, for all these years, people have seen the mission and they've gotten behind it. They're, they're excited about getting on board. And then stay after the meal for the dessert auction. If you've never been a part of the dessert auction, Jackson has been recruiting people for uh, making desserts. I'm telling you, it is going to be fantastic to bring some extra change, extra money. Uh, some of these cakes, I mean, I'm telling you, if you've never sat through one, I was talking to our life group uh, this past Tuesday night, and it's, it's off the chart. I mean, uh, and sometimes people combine forces. I'm just going ahead and warning you. They combine forces. They're like two families might say, hey, let's go in together. We're going to knock out the competition. There's voting over, there's bidding over here. And you take them down. And before long, I mean, a cake sells for $300 or $200. And, but it's all going towards our kids, our teenagers going to summer camp. And it's a great cause. And it's all for the glory of God. And it, it's an awesome thing. The process of making disciples, though, doesn't just happen. It requires clarity. It requires a process being followed, and it requires having a heart for seeing disciples born and growing to reproduce themselves and others. I'm thankful for those who have helped champion that mission for nearly four decades. Many of you have sacrificed, and some for upwards of 37 years, uh, and, and folks, so that others can hear and understand the gospel message. I'm thankful for that because I'm a product of that. I'm a product of many people's prayers. And I guarantee you there's some people in this church that when I was uh, voted to be the, the next pastor of the church were like, I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I remember him causing mischief. I remember him in the youth program. And I remember him causing trouble or running around being loud and rowdy with all the other students. That's why I love student ministry because I, I still sometimes feel like I'm a kid. But, you know, countless lives have been changed here in the triangle and around the world. And, Many people in this room are products of the mission and vision of Calvary Rally. I want to invite you in Matthew 28. We're going to look at a couple of different main passages this morning. Matthew 28, beginning in verse 16. It will be on the screens. If you have a copy of God's Word, I invite you to join us. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain. Imagine there were twelve. Now there's eleven. Obviously, Judas uh, was no longer with them. And, but we're looking at the, at the text. It says, Eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain, to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him... They worshipped him. But look at that last phrase. But some did what, church? Any of you ever have any doubts? You ever wake up and sometimes you're like, man, I'm not sure I want to go to church today. Anybody else? No, that was me last week. I'm just kidding. But I mean, sometimes you have, I was telling that in, our, in our, our Next Steps class. Some Sundays you don't wake up just kicking your heels together like, man, I can't wait to go to church. And 
few weeks ago it was raining and some of you felt that way and you stayed home. But anyway, uh, you know, you don't often, sometimes you don't wake up feeling like a million dollars. But the reality is he says some people doubted. Some of the 11 doubted Jesus. So you're normal this morning. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of a few. Go to make disciples of the white people. Go and make disciples of the privileged. Go and make disciples of the Jews. Go and make disciples of the well-educated, those who have deep pockets. No, he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. God, help us to understand the mission. God, help us to champion the mission of the church in such a way that it radically not only transforms our heart, our spirit, our, our attitude, the thought process behind everything we do, God, Help it to change our lives personally, God. And Lord, help it to motivate and change the life of our church. And God, as we begin to live on mission, would you use it to radically transform our city? Would it spread to our state and our nation? And God, would it transform our world with the gospel? Jesus left us with a mission. May we be found faithful. God, would you help us this morning to keep our eyes so focused on you that we don't miss and lose sight of the mission that you've called us to. God, we'll be careful to praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. He's saying your mission is clear. You are to go make disciples, reproduce yourself. You are supposed to be pouring into the lives of other people that will in turn pour into the lives of others. And it's a process of re uh, reproducing ourselves in the lives of others. Making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Next Sunday we have a number of people that will be baptized uh, during the service. It's just them taking their next step, the natural step in the discipleship process in growing, teaching them, getting them plugged into a, a small group, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you to do. And he says, behold, I'm with you always. In other words, church, he's not going to fail you. You're not on your own. You don't have to do this on your own accord, on your own account. I am with you. The Holy Spirit of God is going to come upon us at the point of salvation, even to the end of the age. The, com the companion passage is also found in Mark 16. So turn over just a few pages to Mark chapter 16. In, in, our, in our passage, we've been studying through the book of Mark. In fact, we'll conclude Mark 16 on Easter Sunday. But as we grow together, we must strive to accomplish the mission. Imagine what must have been going through Jesus' mind as he had just risen from the grave. He appeared to Mary Magdalene in Mark 16, verse 9. She went on to tell other people who had been with Jesus before he died. In verse 11, it says, when, he heard that, when they heard he was alive and had been seen by, by Mary, they would not believe it. Verse 12, he appears to two disciples as they were walking in the country. And they go back and tell the rest of the disciples. That verse says, but they did not believe them. 
This is Jesus' inner circle. Those 11 men, we, we lost Judas, those 11 men that were right around Christ, that were just a moment, just a week ago, we were studying the, in the Garden of Gethsemane as he battled for the souls of man, and, and it was the, the, the greatest battle of all time, but they did not believe him. Those who were closest to Jesus struggled to comprehend that he had risen from the grave. So let's pick up our text, Mark 16, verse 14. Afterward, he appeared to the leaven themselves as they were reclining at the table. But I'm telling you, these guys must have been lazy. I'm telling you, and they were sleeping the whole time in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now they're all just kicked back, relaxing around the table. And Jesus has just risen from the grave. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. He says, you have a mission. Go and proclaim that Jesus Christ came to transform and save sinners. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be what, church? Condemned. A couple Sundays ago, I, I was preaching and I talked about those who do not receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior will spend all of eternity in a place called hell. And one of our members said, Pastor, I was glad to hear you say that in church. Because you realize today we have whitewash so much of, of scripture and the gospel that you can go to church for years and celebrate Christmas, celebrate Easter, but never know my mom, my own mother, who will, and just a couple weeks will have been in heaven for an entire year. Uh, let me just tell you, she sat through Sunday after Sunday after Sunday in church and never once knew that Jesus died on the cross for her sins. God help us if we have lost our way and lost sight of the mission of the church that we can get up and sing songs of God's faithfulness and worshiping and praising him and lose sight that people are going to die without Jesus. He says, whoever does not believe will be condemned. He said it, it, it's, that, it's that vital that we get on mission. So Jesus gives the disciples a clear mission statement. You're to go and make disciples. That isn't our plan. The staff didn't come up with that and decide, you know what, I think this sounds good. It rolls off the tongue. I mean, you, it looks good on signs everywhere. You can put that on a t-shirt and, and wear it. No, it's Jesus' mission for his church. It's Christ's plan for the church. He's saying, as you are going, you will make disciples of the world. The term he uses is the whole creation. That's who Jesus died for. So when you see someone who's different than you, that's someone that Jesus died for. The whole creation. The church, our mission is clearly defined, and it dictates how we do ministry. We are to be about making or creating, leading disciples of Jesus. And, and folks, if we don't do that, we might as well just put Calvary Raleigh Club. Calvary Raleigh Country Club. But I'm telling you, our city has enough of those already. You ever drive down Glenwood Avenue, ITB, inside the Beltline? <laughs> I mean, 
The Raleigh Country Club, the Carolina Country Club is swanky, man. I'm talking like, I don't, we don't drive cars fancy enough to park in those parking lots. I mean, they're like, it is high class over there. That's the high rent district inside the Beltline. And, and you drive over there and you, you see all these fancy balls and things that are going on. And I'm not making, but there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying the, the city has enough country clubs. What we need is churches that are on mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ. Actually, some, there's already so many nice ones in and, and Cary and all these other places. Church, what we need is a church that is not caught up in, in, in aesthetics, but they're caught up in the mission of making disciples. We, what we need is a church that's living on mission, seeking to lead and create followers, disciples of Jesus. Church, as we're going throughout our day, Throughout our month, without, throughout our year, he says we ought to be leading others into a deeper relationship with Jesus. So what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? What does that look like? What does it mean to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus? A disciple is one who follows and lives out the teachings of Jesus. And it's a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong process. Every day, I must choose to live on mission. I must choose to follow Jesus. I must choose to, to do a, my father's business. Happens in a healthy church environment where the words of Jesus are taught and lived out. And folks, it's where true life begins to take place. Let me just say, this is not about religion. We've tried it. Religion is cold it's dead it's it's lifeless it's mechanical i do this in order to that god might give me this or if i if i do all these good deeds on this side i'm gonna my name's gonna be up here at religion is lifeless it's mechanical but folks it leads to frustration because religion is based on our performance it's based on what we do or what we don't do. The Jews have tried for thousands of years to find peace with God by trying to observe all of the laws, all of the rituals, all of the festivals. But God's word tells us it's impossible to obey, to obey every law. In fact, James chapter 2, verse 10 says, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. Every time I hear someone living to be in their 90s, I'm like, you must have obeyed your parents. <laughs> it's a promise. If you obey your parents, long life, it's in the Ten Commandments, folks. I mean, it, it's, all, it's in the New Testament as well, and it, it promises long life, and and sometimes I, I see someone, I'm like, I will probably not live to be 95. I'm just probably not going to happen. Uh, I was a, a, a scoundrel. I was a rascal. My mom said that even when at 47, a year or a couple years ago at Christmas, I gave her a giant Santa Claus and she, hates Santa, she hated Santa Claus because she thought it stole the glory of Jesus. And, and so she would have no part of celebrating Santa. And so I buy her this giant Santa Claus and, and we're, the whole family is dying laughing and, and she she looks at me, she's like, you're such a rascal. 
<laughs> I mean, she is literally battling cancer and dementia and everything else, and she still knew I was a rascal. But anyway, uh, we're, we're, I'm, I'm uh, uh, getting off track, but it is, uh, all, all of it, he says, if we do all the things of keeping the law and offend in one point, we're guilty of all of it. None of us, it's, it's not possible. In fact, the only way we can be made right before God is to have a personal relationship with Jesus. It's only through that daily growing relationship with Christ we can discover true peace and joy and contentment. And folks, only Jesus' righteousness being applied to our lives will make us holy before God. And so this is why it's so vital that the church Devote our, our time, our efforts, our resources to making disciples. Because, folks, it's the only thing that's going to help a lost world be confronted with the truth of the gospel. That without Jesus, all of us will spend eternity in a place called hell. Say, Pastor, you're passionate about that? You better, you're doggone right. Because it's why we exist. Otherwise, at the moment of salvation, Jesus could have just said, Boom, you're gone. You're straight to heaven. I mean, and some of us are thinking, I'd be good with that right now. I mean, God, just beam me up. You know, just take me on to heaven. And I always said before, dating and driving. And we have two driving. And, and, and folks, we're, we're ready for Jesus to, to come take us home. And, and, and I'd be fine with that if it happened this morning. But, folks, it's so vital that we make disciples of Jesus. It carries over to every ministry of the church. So this morning is... You were trekking your children into kids' ministry here at Calvary. You say, well, what's the mission of our kids' ministry? Making disciples. Our students got back 9, 9.30 last night from a two-day youth conference, youth rally, with hundreds of kids, teenagers. Worship. They... Packed uh, bags for homeless people all across our city. Uh, did a service project. They, they, they worshiped. They had preaching and, and, and games and fellowship for two days. But what's the mission of the youth ministry? To make disciples of Jesus Christ. My teenage son came home and said, Dad, we were, we were weeping. We were crying. Affected their worship, their walk with God. And say, what's our mission of, uh, of young adult ministry is to make disciples of Jesus. What's the mission of the, the adults in our church make disciples? What's the mission of our global mission effort as a church to make disciples of every nation? When Christ ascended back to heaven, he gave us a mission to lead and create disciples of Jesus. And it has not changed in 2,000 years. He could have chosen a thousand other ways to get his story out. But folks, he chose us. I wonder this morning, how is our report card doing at making disciples of Jesus? Because you see, we can so easily be distracted. And, but he chose his church to be a bold witness of the love and the, and the grace of Jesus that's available to us. One of the great signs of a, healthy church, of a healthy church is when a church is reproducing itself. They're making disciples who go out and in turn make disciples. It must not get stagnant. And because what happens is the church, if not careful, becomes 
a cesspool of disgruntled Christians. You ever seen it before? They are more concerned about the comforts inside the building and keeping everybody happy than they are about reaching out and making an impact. Folks, when that happens, God turns a blessing off and it's all over. In fact, that, look, go to Revelation. You'll see churches where he says, I would, I would rather spew you out of my mouth because you've become lukewarm. You've lost the mission. You've lost the vision. You've lost what? Folks, when you get your eyes off the mission, that's when you start fussing about the style of music. That's when you start fussing about the color of the carpet. That's when you start fussing about we're spending too much money on this and not enough on that. And that's when you start fussing about the teenagers are always tearing up the building or the kids ministry or, I mean, they're dominating everything. And I, it happens every single day. People lose sight of it. Far too many churches have closed their doors because they've lost sight of the mission. My dad is helping a church right now for the third time in five years because they are once again without a pastor. This morning, 50 people will gather inside of beautiful church buildings that are paid for, money's in the bank, they're located on the same exit where Pfizer and VinFast and every other business is moving and just south of here in Chatham County. And folks, I'm telling you, they have the potential to run hundreds, if not thousands, but they're sitting around going, well, we ain't never done it that way before. I'm telling you, um, the last pastor that came in here, he wanted to change the order of the service and so... He's no longer with us. My dad said, well, they, you know, they had this little children's sermon before the message every day. We do it sometimes at Christmas time. I'll bring the kids up on stage. And it's not in the Bible. But he said the pastor decided not to do that anymore. You know why? Because it was two kids. That's all they were reaching. Two kids were coming up on stage. And he thought that time might be better used. And people got all bent out of shape and were so upset that eventually they said, you know what, it's not us, it's you, and you need to go. And they got rid of the pastor. And now, on number three, and I told Dad the other week, I said, Dad, if they don't get it right this time, I don't think they're going to get another shot. Because I think God's going to turn off his favor and his blessing on that church. And folks, if we don't stay on mission, we will literally, God will shut the doors on the church. There are churches all over our, our city this morning that are on life support. There are churches over the last three years, and you can't blame it all on COVID. Folks, they were dead before COVID ever came to town. And folks, the reality is, is if they don't get their eyes back on the heart of God and why he left us here, they will be extinct. There are churches everywhere that have more people in their graveyard than they do in the pew. And folks, if we're going to continue with that model, the, ch the, the church in America is doomed. But I refuse to be a part of a church that's so dead that they lose sight of the mission, that there are literally millions of people that are dying and going to hell. And folks, we're sitting here worrying about the style of music and the color of the carpet.
I don't want to be a part of that. In fact, I would resign today if I felt like that was our, where we're at. But folks, that's not where the church is. We're seeing what God has left us to accomplish. The mission statement of a dying church is we ain't never done it that way before. And folks, those churches will not be in existence in the next few years. We're blessed to belong to a church that's on mission. Do you realize your pastor is a product of this church, a disciple of this church? Do you know what? The, the, the number of, of pastors who literally fail following a lead pastor who's been there for 20 or more years, it's almost, I mean, the statistics were stacked against me. Next Sunday will be 17 years I've been pastoring. My dad pastored for 20 years. I'm not bragging on myself. I'm bragging on God because that's what God does when you stay on mission. Our youth pastor, Jackson, grew up in this youth group. And now he's gone off to school and God has brought him back. And he's serving our students. God, and they're blessed every week to hear the gospel being preached in a way that they can understand and articulate it in a way that they, they, they get it. Our, our communications director, Miss Crystal, she grew up as a product of this church, went off to college, and has been on staff almost 17 years, church. I mean, she's a product of our church. She's raising her kids here. Jackson's raising his kids here. I'm raising my kids here. What a testament to the mission of the church. Our founding pastor, my dad, Lacey Fry, will turn 81 next month. He still preaches the gospel. He's still making disciples of Jesus. Our worship pastor is a third generation pastor. Matt's parents are here this morning. Thank you for making disciples. Matt's mother, her, her parents last night celebrated, listen up, 75 years of not life, marriage. That's huge. 75 years. I'm telling you, if you want a, an example, schedule an appointment. Go sit down with them for an hour. I, I need to do that myself. And I'm sitting here going, 75 years. And Matt and I were talking about this before the service. He said, there are no statistics for that. Because like 5%, I think your mom said, actually celebrate 50 years. It's got to be way less than 1% at 75. I mean, good heavens. I mean, that's when you, I heard someone say one time, I'm waiting until death do his parts not so long. I mean, 75 years. That's like a really, really, really long time. I mean, uh, and, and they always say, have you thought about divorce? No, murder many times, but not divorce. But uh, I digress. I'm playing with you. But the reality is, is that's when people see and understand the mission, uh, uh, the church of why we exist to make disciples. And folks, when we look for the strength of a church, don't just look at the attendance, the size of the buildings, because folks, there are a lot of places that can draw a crowd that are not making disciples of Jesus. There are a lot of places that have big, fancy buildings that aren't making disciples of Jesus. I've stood in cathedrals, and when I go to 
new cities. I like to go to and, and visit some of the churches and just see some of the architecture. I love that. I have pictures of Westminster Abbey on, on the wall of my office uh, up the ramp up here. And, uh, and on our honeymoon, we went to several cities in, in, in uh, Savannah, Georgia and, and uh, St. Augustine. And my wife was like, if you drag me to one more church building to see the stained glass windows, I'm going to scream. But, I mean, I've stood in the Washington Cathedral. I've been in Duke Chapel. I've, I've been in cathedrals over in Europe. And I'm thinking, to myself, this is so gorgeous, and yet, do you realize 98% of those wouldn't know the gospel if it hit them between the eyes with a two-by-four? They have zero clue because they're so focused on everything except for the mission of the church. One thing we should ask ourselves is, how am I doing at helping create followers, disciples, of Jesus? Do I have a heart to see disciples created? Am I personally involved in the process? Do I pray over the lost of the triangle? Do I invite people regularly to join me in church? We talk about using I statements. When is the last time I invited someone to church? When's the last time I shared the gospel with someone? Well, that's the pastor's job. No, it's the job of every single church member. I read a statistic this week from George Barna. 77% of people believe in God or a higher power. Put it on the screen if you would. 74% of Americans would like to grow spiritually. That's sobering. They'd like to. They have no clue. How many of those people are unchurched? At one point, they belonged. At one point, they went. It obviously includes a large swath of people who don't attend church today. And what an encouragement to invite them to church. In fact, Easter is five weeks away. Next Sunday, when you leave, we have invite cards for Easter worship. Grab the stack of those. Begin praying over them. And don't let them expire in the console of your car. Do something with them. Why not start praying today? God, put on my heart the person or the people you want me to invite to church this Easter. And make a plan. Pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to their hearts, that they would come and they would trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. This week, signs are going to go up all over the community about Easter at Calvary. Pray that those who drive past our church every single day, realize before no one knew where we were, and now you say the church is right across from, Co I know exactly where you are. Costco, Chick-fil-A, Starbucks. I mean, it's right there, right across the street. Kind of sounds a little better than the church next door to Hardy's, you know. Uh, no offense to Hardy's, I worked there when I was 15, but you know, let's... Invite them to church and 
pray that as they see that invitation, the sign, the invite card, that God would soften their heart to the truth of the gospel. Pray for the neighborhoods springing up all around us. Do you remember the prayer walk we did a year ago, walking in that neighborhood with no houses? Do you realize there are tons of people living next door to the church? Townhomes, single family, they haven't started apartments yet, but they're coming. All around us. McCullers Walk. I don't know if they're done back there or not, but it's, it looks like it's about done. There's new apartments coming up right next door to that. Neighborhoods all over this community. And folks, we haven't even scratched the surface what I believe God wants us to do as a church. Pray for the, the people of our city. When our Easter promotions start on social media, you don't start that, but so long that the lifespan is very short and people don't remember and they forget. But as that starts popping up, we're paying for advertising to go out into the share it. Post it on your story, your your page, your the kids on my staff are all teasing me, you know, he's, I'm the old guy, but they're like, you got, I'm like, I didn't even see it. Well, it, it's been on my story. I'm, all right. Been on my reel. I, I don't know. I'm not on all. I, you share it. Be a part of sharing the message. God's empowered us. Acts 1 8 says, You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. He said, I'm thankful that God doesn't call us to do a job we can't accomplish because, church, with His power, we can be the witness to the ends of the earth. We can be the witness in Nicaragua and Brazil and Canada and India. And Romania. So this, this morning, I want you to ask yourself this question. When is the last time I invited someone to church? When is the last time I invited someone to church? Take some time this week. Invite a friend to join you. Look around. Look for someone who hasn't been to church in a while. You know what? Maybe they've gone through a difficult season, a difficult trial in their own life, and they need someone to Pick up the phone and call them, text them, drop them a card in the mail. You know what? The mail still actually is amazing. In our world of digital communication, when we have guests that come through our doors, you know what I do? And, and probably if you've been here for a length of time, you've gotten one. A handwritten card. Thank you personally from the pastor. And I love getting a stack of cards to fill out, because you know what? It's another opportunity to touch someone else's life and let them know that this is a place that cares, that's gonna pray for them, that's gonna encourage them, that's gonna hopefully strengthen their relationship, their walk. So take that time this week to encourage someone. It's what being a part of a church living on mission looks like. We wanna see that together is we are to lead and create disciples of Jesus and as we partner together as the body of Christ we're able to reach that mission of the church last Sunday we had our latest next steps luncheon from that class we have 18 people that join and several others are in the process need to be baptized or 
getting ready for membership. We have several to be baptized next Sunday. We'll be introducing those new church members. What a joy to be a part. That's what being a part of a church that's on mission looks like. Because we're not just trying to keep you comfortable. We want to encourage you and compel you to go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus in our city, our community. Christ called us to lead and create followers of Jesus. A church with the Holy Spirit's power, we will endeavor to do that here in the triangle and around the world. Holy Spirit, would you speak to hearts this morning? God, help us not to become content with what you've already done. 